You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, our lives are in your hands. And yet you've implanted the gospel within us, broken jars of clay, to shine forth your glory in the world. Lord, we pray that you would use us in spite of ourselves, uh, that any hindrance uh, to the spread of the good news of Jesus Christ and our salvation in him uh, would be removed, and that we might boldly proclaim uh, him uh, to the very ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, y'all can uh, come on in there in the back. Uh, uh, there's a couple seats up front here, as, as always. Uh, if, if you want to sit next to your spouse, uh, you might be in a little bit of trouble. If you'd rather not sit next to your spouse, you're, you're in luck. Uh, you, can, you can move up front. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, worship today. We've been talking uh, about this from time to time. Uh, but specifically, we're going to talk about uh, Worship here, the Advent, especially in light of uh, the announcement that came, uh, not uh, as of late, but if you were keeping track of the visioning processes, uh, visioning process, and if you were reading uh, the material we were putting out, especially in the trifold brochure that had as a bullet point uh, a new 11 o'clock service uh, here in the refectory, uh, it may not be news to you, but if you're for some reason hearing it for the first time now, uh, no doubt uh, you have some questions. One of the things that I think is important is to get some context for our conversation, and that's why I've invited John Harper uh, to come and speak with us this morning um, so you know that it wasn't just Andrew and the clergy uh, drinking beer and saying, hey, we got a good idea, uh, uh, but in fact, this has been going on for a while. So John Harper, will you come up and uh, give us some historical perspective on this and then uh, segue in the end into... Uh, theology and the why we've been talking about this for so long. The what now? The... <laughs> John Harper, you do you just do whatever you want. The theology and the why. Good morning. I became the interim dean here in June of of twenty. 2004. We had um, the discussion about an 11 o'clock service had just begun. It was, um, I don't, I, Richard Abernathy, many, many of you know Richard, was sort of leading the charge. And he came to talk to me. I don't, I don't know that he ever talked to Paul. This, this happened right during the, the end the, <clears throat> as Paul was leaving. And it was something that excited me uh, because the demographics of the people moving into the city of Birmingham are Advent demographics. And so we, I, I always thought that was, was a, would be a great opportunity to bring a, a new people uh, into the church, introduce them to Jesus Christ and as their Lord and Savior and it would be a, a, an addition uh, to everything that we had done. The 
we looked at, there were several possibilities that were considered at the time. The, using this was one of them. Trying to use the gymnasium, the day school gymnasium was another one, but we never could get permission to do that. There was a, there's a um, building across the street from the hotel down here, and I think it's, it may still be empty. It was an antiques building. It was for sale, and we had somebody that was, was willing to pay, put up $250,000 to help buy that building in the adjacent parking lot. <clears throat> but, and that's about as far as the uh, discussion went uh, during the, a little over a year that I was the interim dean. When um, Frank Limehouse came, he formed a formal committee that looked at all these various options and made recommendations to him about what should be done. Frank was not uh, one that was got excited about alternative services. <laughs> and so when that committee reported to Frank, that's the last anybody's heard of it. <laughs> until our, our current dean came. So that's about uh, about all I can say about it, Andrew. That's... Well, that's good. I just, it's his idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll steal that back from you. I might call on you a couple more times to clarify some things. Thank you, Vice Dean Harper. Yeah, so this is something that, that we've been talking about for quite some time, but we've never uh, been willing to, to pull the trigger on it uh, for various and sundry reasons. The two big impediments that we had were, one, uh, personnel, and then, two, uh, logistic. Uh, the personnel issue uh, being really, uh, did we have the, the staff that could staff uh, a service like that? And so that was something that needed to be taken into consideration. As John pointed out, if somebody really dislikes anything other than what we typically do on Sunday morning, um, then it's, it's guaranteed to fail. Uh, but not just that, the greater issue that we've struggled with is the logistical consideration. Uh, where would we put a service like this? Because one of the commitments that we've had all along, and we still have, and I want to be crystal clear about this, so that there's no misunderstanding, that we are not going to do anything to affect our currently existing services. So the 730, 9, and 11, and 5 will stay as they are in place. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be changes that happen throughout the years. Uh, I've mentioned it before that it would be foolish of us uh, to not tweak and do things a little bit differently uh, as mission or as whatever requires. So for instance, one of the things I, I like to note is that we've never been more supportive financial or otherwise, of our choral-led services than we are right now. We've never poured more money into it. And I don't know about you, I don't think they've ever sounded better. I mean, it is a remarkable ministry. And so I want to dispel the notion that somehow we're shifting our focus away from that to something else. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, since I've become the dean, they've sung more in our Sunday services than they ever have. And some of you have called to tell me about that. Uh, so if you're an 11 o'clocker, 
and, uh, and all of a sudden you, will, you notice that now during morning prayer, uh, the choir sings the psalm. Some of you like it, some of you don't. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that uh, rather than saying, well, I feel like it's under assault, I want you to look at the reality of what's happening and to know that we've never been more committed to that. This is not a transition. This is an addition to. This is a building on. And to be perfectly honest with you, I have to be careful how I say this, uh, I'll go to, and I hesitate to use the word alt, you know, contemporary, uh, because what does that mean? Uh, and I can't wait to get back to the Advent. I, I mean, there, there's a part of me, like, I, my heart lies with the morning services as they currently exist. I like it. That's what I prefer. So I'm putting all my cards on the table. So I don't want anyone saying, well, it's because Andrew doesn't like the morning services or the traditional worship. That's not true. I love it. Uh, I long for it. Uh, it ministers to me. Uh, and yet, understanding that maybe some people don't like what I like. Uh, now, some people get offended that people don't like what they like. Uh, but uh, understanding that there actually may be a place here at the Advent uh, for something different, yet like the Advent. And this is going to be a service that, if you walk into it, is going to be instantly recognizable as an Advent service. No one's going to... I mean, look, can you see me in Lauren's jeans and with hair gel? Can, can, you, can you see it? I mean, maybe some of you would like to see it. Um, but but it, that's not the advent. Uh, it never will be. And you know what? The world can spot a fake from a mile away. Uh, we're, we're really not trying to be anything that we're not. We can only be who we are. So if you've been at the advent your whole life, it's very hard, or grown up as an Episcopalian like me, it's very hard to get perspective on this. Because we'll have people who will come to the 5 o'clock service, which is for us way out there in contemporary, and they'll say, this is really liturgical and really formal. I thought this was your contemporary service, right, because of the perspective. Uh, but for us to move much beyond what we do at the 5 o'clock would not be the advent. It would not be the advent. But with the addition of the 5 o'clock that happened under Paul Zoll's time around 2000, is that right? Uh, John Harper, when did we start at the 5 o'clock? In the year 2000, 2001. So that's when we started that service. And when we decided to do that, that was the Advent saying, we believe that there is a place in the life of our church for something like this. Now, many might say, but I'm glad it's at 5. It's, it's over there. And people will say, Andrew. Why start a new morning service when we already have the five? Now, imagine if your pastor, me, said, well, what service do you go to? I go to the 11. Bless you. Well, what if I told you we're going to cancel your service and you just go to the 7.30 or 9 because it's basically like the 11 o'clock? Would you like that response? Well, it's the same response of why don't they just go to the five? Uh, actually, by having a morning service does several things. One, it allows people who would be interested in that type of service to take advantage of our Christian education. That, what we're doing right now, uh, there are a lot of people in the room this morning, uh, not because you thought we were doing a Bible study on Leviticus, uh, but uh, because we're talking about this. But this is one of the few places at the Advent 
where we have cross-pollination of services. Where we actually, if you go to the nine, you see 11 o'clockers. And that's really important that we create those things because the fact of the matter is that the Advent is one church with different congregations. Nightmare Sunday is what I call the Sunday after Christmas. Do you know why? People don't like that Sunday because we get rid of Christian education and we have an hour-long coffee social there in Klingman and they go up to people and they say, hey, I'm Andrew. Uh, welcome to the Advent. I don't know your name. And they look and say, I've been here 30 years. Uh, well, why don't they know that person? Because they go to a different service. And so creating those places, those spaces, is not only something we need to do. I think that that's something we want to do. Uh, many of you, as I look around, we're at the 500th anniversary party that we had for the Reformation. Now, I'd like to believe that you were all there because you were really into the Reformation. Uh, Let's be honest, a lot of us were there because it was a chance for us to gather as a church family apart from our 7.39, 11, and 5 o'clock schedule. And so I'm aware and I'm always looking for things and excuses, really, for us to come together as a church family. And if that party was any indication, not only is there a want, but we've got a space problem. We've got a space problem as well. Uh, you look at the 9 o'clock service, and we in uh, the church business uh, call it fishbowl theory. I mean, you know, your goldfish is in the fishbowl, and your fish is only going to get as big as what? Your bowl allows it to. But here's the, pit, here's the pitfall that so many churches fall into. They allow their building to dictate their mission. They allow a filled room to give contentment and to say, look at how great things are going. Uh, the room is filled. I still go back to our founding. Remember where we first started as a congregation? Anybody remember? In a grocery store sitting on crates. And then we upgraded to a dance hall where we had to take down some of the inappropriate paraphernalia that was up the Saturday night before in order to get it ready for Sunday mornings. And then when we built this building... They were only a handful of people. There were just a couple hundred members that built a church that I mean, we really can't fit as many people as we ought to be able to fit in here. I mean, just to give you an idea of what we're capable of doing, just with our current people who at least show some interest in the Advent or have a relationship with the Advent, look at our Christmas Eve and Easter services. That's just baseline potential for the Advent. Can you imagine what that would be like if that's what manifested itself on Sunday mornings? I'd hate coming here. It'd be a nightmare, wouldn't it? It would be crazy. And yet, like the people who built this building, those whose shoulders we stand upon, they built a building that was much larger than what they even could think about filling at the time. Why? because they had full faith and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ to change lives and to bring people into the doors. That's why they built such a big building and such a beautiful building. And so when we see at the 9 o'clock that it's filled, that the 5 o'clock is getting much bigger. If you haven't been, I encourage you to go. Uh, and even uh, since uh, Christmas, we've, we've seen steady uh, growth in our 11 o'clock. Uh, and over the past several years, we have seen uh, an uptick 
in our, our Sunday attendance. And so having a new service actually gives us a little bit of a release valve for people to spread out a little bit. Now, that's obviously for a certain type of person who would want something uh, like the new service uh, that we're doing. And yet, uh, that is uh, another good reason uh, why we're starting the service, is that it also accommodates, uh, it accommodates growth. I refer you to the Frequently Asked Questions page. It's important to see that, uh, because I already anticipate this room not being large enough. And so what are we going to do? What are we going to do if it's, what a great problem to have. Uh, we'll figure it out. But let's say that it's a complete and total failure. I believe in failure. Now, I'd never learn anything if I didn't fail. And I'm one of the first to be able to say, we were wrong. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to throw it in and we're going to continue uh, our efforts uh, in, in what we were doing uh, before. Uh, but my upcoming event, we've talked about, let's, let's go back to the impulses, the pastoral impulse, because there are some amongst you here this morning uh, and some that are not here uh, that really would want something like this here at the Advent. You love the Advent, you love what it's all about, but you'd like something different. And you'd like something that allows you to be here in the morning and uh, part of our Sunday school. Uh, but I do believe that there's a great segment of people uh, that don't go to the Advent, who maybe once did, maybe never did, uh, but really, uh, this would be an opportunity for them to come in and be a part of our church family. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get pretty close to home uh, in my next Adventurer article when I talk about the evangelistic impulse, uh, because one of the things that we're seeing here at the Advent is when uh, there's a birth in the congregation, the announcement goes out, and it normally lists the parents who are the parents of the child who happen to be Advent members. But what we've started seeing over the past couple years is more and more of those announcements going back, it's the grandparents that are headlining it. And it's the grandchild that's been born. And the parents, either members of the Advent, but don't come, or grew up at the Advent and no longer go here. And when Cameron Cole came to visit the vestry, we have a wonderful internship program for college students to come in and uh, to work with the youth ministry for the summer. And we've had about 21 college interns come in. Uh, half of those, about 10, uh, grew up at the Advent. And of those 21, at the end, uh, Cameron always does an exit interview. And one of the questions he asks is if you were to graduate after you graduate, if you were to graduate, hopefully you graduate from college, after you graduate, and if you move back to Birmingham, would you consider the Advent for your church home? Half of them grew up at the Advent, the other half did not. And how many do you think said, yes, absolutely, this would be my church home? One. One. Now, that was the most depressing vestry meeting I've ever been a part of. <laughs> I began drafting my resignation in my mind. But I realized I wouldn't be much of a pastor if I didn't look into the why. Why behind it? Because they didn't have anything against the advent. They just said, you know what? I, I, I'd like something a little bit different. I love the advent. I've had an incredible summer. 
uh, I, I grew up, you know, the half that grew up at the Advent uh, think the world of it. Maybe when I get a little bit older, I'll come back to the Advent. Uh, but for the time being, uh, there are other churches that I probably would like to go to. And so we've got these, un, under this demographic of people in their 20s and 30s, we've got those who grew up at the Advent, and we're finding this often, who are believers and decide to go somewhere else after they move to Birmingham. I think that's a travesty that we've lost them. And then we've got those who grew up at the Advent and don't go to church anywhere and are more often than not unbelievers. And so is this an opportunity for us to be able to get actually those who just even have a connection to the Advent, uh, much less the demographic that uh, John Harper was talking about, about those uh, who are moving downtown, or even uh, our neighbors. Uh, I use the example of a, of a man who, if I mentioned his name, most of you would know who it is. And I was asking him, he goes to a church here in Birmingham, uh, what service he went to at his church. And he said, well, I go to the contemporary service. And I almost fell out. I've never seen this guy without a tie on. And so I said, why do you go to, and I said, I'm not trying to be offensive, but, but why do you go to that service? And he said, because Andrew, uh, it's not my speed. But I look down the pew, and I see three generations of my family in that pew. And he said, that's nothing short of a miracle. And he said, it's not my speed, but that's something. When I was at Oxford, I went to St. Ebb's Church, which is a really wonderful church, and um, it's mostly university students. And I uh, love the rector there, Vaughn Roberts. He'll eventually get over here to preach one day. Uh, but look, I'm a prayer book guy. Uh, died in the wool, and, and it, it, that's never going to change. Uh, and uh, Lauren uh, understands that I, I'm fiercely conservative in nature. And so she often prefaces a conversation with me. Now, I know you don't like change, but... Uh, and it could be anything from I'm getting a different cereal uh, to uh, whatever it, it might be. Uh, but there was an older gentleman in the congregation there who always wore a suit and tie. And he stood out because he was the only one at St. Ebbs who wore one. And, and, of course, I made my way over to him and talked to him a little bit. He grew up in a country parish in England, but he was a professor now at Oxford and uh, was uh, really liked St. Ebbs. It was close to his home. And, uh, and he made the mistake of saying, but, you know, I, I really missed the prayer book in the sense that it was still a prayer book service, but it wasn't what he was used to, what he grew up with and what he liked. And, and, and the organ playing, and, uh, and, and, I, and I was with him. And so every once in a while when there would be some awful song that St. Ebbs would play, he and I would immediately make eye contact and kind of give the signal uh, that we were the, 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 the loyal resistance uh, there at St. Ebbs. And after one uh, Sunday where they had sang a song which I thought was just terrible, it was like Jesus was my boyfriend. And, um, <laughs> and, um, and, it, and it wasn't, it wasn't. I was just being hypercritical. And I made my way up to this guy, and, uh, and I said, you know, I said, that was, that was a hard service. And he said, yes. And he said, and I do, miss, I do miss having the old prayer book service. And he said, but to see all these young people gathered together hearing of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is glorious, is glorious. 
So I also don't want to fall in the trap to say, but this service is for young people, because in fact, most of the people who come to me at the Advent and say, we would like something like this, are people uh, who are, uh, I have to be careful about how I say this at the Advent, because if I say, old, everyone get, I had an 85-year-old person get very angry with me because I refer to people in their 80s as old. Um, See, none of you are laughing because you're offended. Um, uh, but, um, but it's actually uh, an older demographic uh, that is expressing uh, this uh, to us. And, uh, and I will say that many of those who have pushed for it for a long time that John knows of uh, have been incredibly patient uh, in, waiting, uh, in waiting for this. And so, again, I don't see this as... Um, it's a radical change here at the Advent, uh, but building upon uh, who we are and, uh, and what we're doing here and uh, staying committed. As I said, it's not going to be a terrible departure from what we do in the mornings with the exception of the music being a little bit different. And it's not going to be the stuff that you hear on Christian radio, uh, which is Jesus is my boyfriend for the most part. Uh, but really, uh, the great old hymns of the church uh, with modern instrumentation. Is, is the idea uh, behind it. But I'm just going to stop talking and uh, let y'all ask any questions that you might have. Um, Andrew, I just wanted to ask a quick question about um, there's, there's a demographic of the church that's pretty much locked into 9 o'clock, and that's parents with grade school children. Right. We're kind of out of that demographic. But we do have a child at home, and it's great to get home at 11.15 versus right. 12.15. I know that sounds stupid, but... Um, no. why, why is this 11 o'clock and not 9? Because you're, you're excluding a lot of people from the choice of having this yeah. contemporary service that have the grade school children and they, you know, they leave the 9 o'clock at halftime or whatever. Yeah. Um, man, everybody's got all these great ideas um, about more work for the clergy. Um, no, that's why the, it's got to be that late because they're not going to get up for the 9. Yeah, so, so, all right, so a lot of it is it's all of us think, yes, exactly. A lot of us think in our own, and we do too, and we realize that having it 11 means that it is probably going to exclude a certain demographic from it, namely people with children kindergarten through third grade uh, who have, that are linked uh, to, and we'll figure out sixth grade confirmation when we have to figure that out. Um, but they start in the service, and then they go downstairs. And so if they were to go to the 11 o'clock, it would be very awkward. So you either would show up at, say, 9.30 and drop your kids off and then have to sit and uh, visit with Adventers. Nightmare. Uh, and, then, uh, and then have uh, Sunday school and then have uh, the 11 o'clock gathering. And then, as you said, get out fairly late. Um, and, of course, we've conditioned Adventers. I mean, I, talked to other, I was talking to Tim Callum the other day, and, uh, and I was saying, well, what time is your early service? He goes, it's pretty early. And I said, well, what time? And he said, 9 o'clock. And I was like, what? I'm like, I mean, this is crazy because uh, we have a 7.30. And so, and even when visitors come, if you're a first-time visitor and you might be in this room, if, you've, if, when, if you think back to when you first visited the Advent, you came to the 11 because you think that's the main service. So we're strange in having the 9 o'clock kind of as our core main service. We realize that that's going to exclude people, uh, but we're willing to entertain the notion of shifting things around. Uh, but right now, because Christian education is such a big thing for the younger kids, 
to shift that or to extend that would be really, really difficult. So it's something that we are grappling with and struggling with. Uh, but also what we don't want to do is to encourage too much sheep shuffling. Uh, because the object is not just to move sheep around. Look, this new service is going to be a huge burden on the staff. I mean, it's going to be really difficult. But, um, but we've got our ear to the ground. And uh, believe it or not, um, I, I think maybe because I've been so open and saying, hey, if you've got a problem, please come and talk to me. Y'all have believed that. And, uh, and so uh, if you do have a problem, uh, we'll see what we can do. What's going to happen to this Sunday school class, Andrew? It's going to move to the nave. So, which we've had these in the nave before. Um, I, um, I, the reason why I don't like it is why it's probably good for me, uh, because it means I have to finish on time. And uh, in order to make way for the folks uh, who are coming in uh, and doing that, again, uh, it's, it's not ideal. It's not ideal at all. And yet, um, and it may be that uh, now it's a different day and age with the day school. It may be that that new service moves up to the gymnasium that allows us to move back in here uh, at, at the dean's class. And I think that the bottom line is all of us are going to have to sacrifice uh, things uh, at a certain level uh, for the sake of other people. And so, believe me, there are things that I don't like about it either, which I'm not going to voice publicly, and yet understanding that I'm... It's not about me. Just another question about the logistics again, like with the music. So Fred can't be in two places at once. He'll stay, the choir and Fred will stay, and, and who will be in charge of, how is the music going to work? So uh, Fred and the choir will be 9 and 11 o'clock, and then uh, 11 o'clock music uh, will be led by Zach Hicks uh, in here. And that is, that's a loss, um, simply because it will mean that uh, Zach's ability to teach Sunday schools and, and to preach in that 11 o'clock service uh, will be diminished for at least the time being. Kate. It's, it's so sad that we lost the 21 or the 20. So is there going to be an outreach either to them or the 20 to 30-year-olds or a way to let them know about yeah, this? Yeah, there is. And, and I, just to, by way of encouragement, the Advent's really bad about not, ex, not saying here are the good things that are happening around here. Uh, last minute, Cameron Cole and I uh, emailed out a bunch of uh, folks who were seniors in high school and undergraduates uh, when they were going to be home on break over Christmas and said, hey, if anybody's interested in full-time ministry, we're going to have a day where we're just going to sit around and talk about what it means to go into full-time ministry, whether that's ordained or otherwise. And we had about 25 kids show up. And, um, and so that was a, a huge encouragement. And all of these obviously grew up at the advent, uh, and so, uh, but it's, but the thing about it is, is not, because many of those in that room would never come to an 11 o'clock service in here, right? They actually like uh, the traditional, and I know somebody's going to send me an article that says, but people in their 20s are really into high church worship. That's true where it's true, right? But that's not true of, of everybody, um, and so uh, when people say that, I, I think that that's right. Uh, so a lot of those folks that were on that day would probably remain in the 9 or the 11 o'clock uh, and wouldn't darken the doors, but many of them would also uh, come in here. Uh, we have a Bible study right now uh, that Sally Goings and um, Alfred, her husband, are leading. And uh, 
Who's in, is there a, a young woman in here who's in that Bible study? Well, that kind of proves my point. But anyway, um, that there are how many? 45 in that, and they're all in their 20, early 20s? Uh, 45, and so, and we're starting this last Wednesday of the month thing where I'll go in and do a teaching and we'll have fellowship and try to connect them in. We had a lot of momentum when I was uh, a canon on staff with folks in their 20s because I was leading a weekly Bible study. I was hanging out with them, and then when I became dean, that, that ended uh, simply because I didn't have the time to give to it, and that's really bothered me, and so I'm going to put my hand back into it, but I'm going to push other people uh, to really begin to invest in those, in those folks. I'm actually preaching about this next Sunday uh, because Paul gets into Titus where he talks about what are the obligations and responsibilities of older men, older women, to younger men and younger women, and what are the responsibilities of younger men and younger women, and we're going to talk about what that looks like in terms of ministry. Oh. <laughs> uh, I just have a comment, um, I, uh, which I thought was a very uh, encouraging experience I had. Um, I, there's a, a person I know professionally in his late 30s, and he told me just last week that he had been recommended the 5 o'clock Advent service by a senior pastor at another very large, very sound church in the community who just thought that for this person, um, the way that we approach Reformed theology would be appealing to him, um, but that the 5 o'clock worship um, would be better, which first of all I thought said a lot about that other clergyman that he would recommend another church. But also what it told me is that um, people in the community think that we have strengths, uh, tremendous strengths in the way that we approach things beyond just worship. Right. Um, and we have an identity beyond just worship such that another clergyman in our community would say, you should check out the Advent. I think knowing you, you would really appreciate the way they seriously engage with theological issues. Check out the 5 o'clock service because, the, you know, that would be more your speed worship-wise. Yeah, I'm going to take your word for it because normally when I say that to a parishioner, I'm trying to get rid of them. You would do really well at that church. <laughs> it would be really good for you to go there. You'd really like it. Um, but let me piggyback on that a little bit too because, you see, one of the things, and I'm with you 100%, that so much of what is called contemporary worship is vacuous. There's just no substance to it. It's the same line repeated 100 times in a song, and the line itself isn't that great. And so actually... Can the Advent have a role in creating a reformation in the United States and actually holding out something and saying, it doesn't have to be vacuous. Here's something of substance uh, that is driven by a theology. And that, and many of you, and thank you for doing this, filled out that survey uh, that we were doing for, the, uh, for how we communicate with our congregation. And one of the questions we asked is, what brought you to the Advent or why are you at the Advent? You know what everybody said? The gospel. The gospel. Now, they had other reasons why they were here, too. There are other things that I really love about the Advent, and yet it's our commitment to the proclamation of the gospel uh, that keeps us here. And so um, I, I think that it's a real opportunity in having a gift in someone like Zach Hicks, uh, who is already being looked to uh, as a, a resource of how can we do uh, something with uh, you know, our church doesn't even have an organ, or we don't have the money to replace the organ. How can we do something different that isn't reduced to the Christian version of Taylor Swift? Um, is she a Christian? I don't know. Anyway. Andrew, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that the 
the service is going to be here rather than at a satellite place because yes. I do think it's important to keep us all together. Um, having said that, we still will be separated. Yes. Um, will there be more maybe parish-wide kind of get-togethers and things? Yes, I'm even digging into obscure saints as reason to get together. So St. <laughs> Swithin's Day is coming up. Uh, uh, but no, Miriam, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and so, yes, uh, we are. And that was one of the reasons why, uh, another reason demographically why we chose the 11 or logistically why is because uh, already if you come to the 9 o'clock service, it's a beast to find parking. And so because our 11 o'clock in the nave uh, is, is less, uh, its attendance is not as high as the 9, uh, that helps with that. Uh, but also, if you're a 9 o'clocker, you really don't have time to visit with people on Sunday, do you? Because you, you know, especially if you have kids. Uh, I mean, you might, I mean, the best, that's one of the great things about breakfast, right? And breakfast is never going away, right? If, if, if breakfast goes away, that is worth getting angry about. Um, uh, but, uh, but sitting down with someone at the table is great, but you're kind of in a hurry, and then you, you rush in, and then uh, you come to Sunday school, and then you're out. But actually, the 11 o'clock hour is one of the few times where after the service, you do have some time to mingle around, uh, and, and we hope that that will happen. Uh, I'm going to pick on Frank uh, for a minute since John Harper started it. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, when we were talking about this with Frank, Frank had come to the place where we were going to plant. I was going to go, you may not know this, I was going to go plant a service like this somewhere else in Birmingham. So I was going to get sent out to, to do this. And, and I didn't like that idea either. I liked having it here, and we would just have growing pains, and we just have to sort it all out together and live together. And Frank was just not having any of it. And he was... And, but I couldn't pin him down. I said, what is your objection to having it here? And finally, I pushed him hard enough, and he said, well, because I don't want some guy in a Hickey Freeman suit running into some other guy in a Hawaiian shirt at the coffee pot. <laughs> and I kid you not, that fight, that fight between Frank Limehouse and I, it was the only time we ever fought. And it was st I was laughing the whole time, which really upset him. That happened on a Wednesday. That Sunday at 7.30, this is a true story, at 7.30, Frank was preaching and I was leading the service, and there in the back row was Santosh Murray, the assisting bishop of Alabama, wearing a Hawaiian shirt <laughs> in the back of the church. And Frank, after the service, he said, you told him to do that. You told him. I said, it's unavoidable. It's unavoidable. Troy Hayes. Andrew, thanks for the time this morning. Um, you know, I had the privilege of serving with you the last year through this whole process. And was so, um, you approached all this in such a thoughtful way in drawing in um, the conversation and um, realizing, I think you helped us see, or we've come to the understanding that while it sort of seemed like an either-or conversation when we started and people felt threatened by what was in place, I think you've shifted us to a place we see it's both and, and that we have this strong church that has a message. There's such appetite for the, for the in need for the gospel, and that um, you know we're not living into this this ministry that that you have been called to and we've been called to to share this good news. And if we turn someone away just for preference, 
yeah. because they don't want it, um, or especially a younger generation, which so many of us have seen, step away because it seems like it's their parents' church right. and, and not their own church. Uh, and you've shifted us to a place that I think we can embrace this and, and step into it. Yeah. And, um, and thank you for that, for a steady, uh, engaging, and thoughtful leadership there. Yeah, I think we're a theologically driven church uh, or gospel driven church, and our convictions uh, manifest themselves in our practice. And so um, the people who come to the service, if they've never been to the Advent before, uh, may not know why they love the service, but it's because it's a prayer book service. And they'll be getting uh, the solid theology uh, of, the, of the prayer book, uh, as well as solid gospel preaching and music that reinforces that. Well, we've all been waiting for. Tell me how I have to change. Born yeah. wife of mine. He doesn't have to. He just should. Um, but, <laughs> but I kind of think what's going to happen is when we do this, if it is successful um, and prayerfully it will be, that I think that it gives people an access point into our more established services. I mean, I tell this story um, I didn't grow up Episcopalian, so I've had to learn, and it's it's hard. I mean, you know, it's kind of intimidating. You see people in the pews who are here the first time. Maybe I'm super sensitive to it because I didn't grow up in it. And so I see them, and they're like, do I kneel? Do I do that? You know, they don't know. They don't know what to do. But I think once they're here, if they have a comfort point into the church, I think that they're going to try out the other services and see where they might find another fit. You know, I think that that's something that could happen. And um, as far as the clothing or the dress, I mean, Y'all were really gracious with me when I showed up the week after Labor Day in, like, a Lily Pulitzer dress, hot pink, <laughs> green. I was we coming from, from the, the coast. coast of South Carolina. Yeah. Um, so if someone's dressed a little bit differently, they'll eventually come around, you know? So it, it'll be fine. So <laughs> that's all I have to say. My discretionary yeah. fund got absolutely raided when Zach Hicks joined the staff, uh, buying him a new wardrobe. Since, since, we, since we're drawing near to the end of our allotted time, and you've already taken a shot or two at good old Frank, I have to tell you that when we were searching for Paul Zoll's replacement, a questionnaire was sent out to, all the, to all, every member of the church. We reviewed all of those comments, and one of the comments that was most interesting, at the very end he said, what sort of a person are you looking for to be the next dean of the Cathedral Church of the Advent. These were all anonymous, of course, but the most, the funniest one was anybody, as long as it's not one of those snake handlers from the five o'clock service. <laughs> they apparently well, so, it never went to the five o'clock service. That's right, service. so August 19th will be BYOS Sunday, bring your own snake, and, uh, and, and, and we'll launch it to but I would ask that y'all, I mean, pray for it, uh, pray about it. If you're having problems with it and, and you're worried, uh, please do come and, and talk to me. And, um, and, and if you're excited about it and you want to get involved, uh, get in touch with me uh, as well. Uh, but uh, uh, as, uh, as Ben Franklin uh, rightly said, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, we all need to hang together. We're sure to hang separately. And so let's do it. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you that uh, this is your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Lord, I thank you for uh, this, my family, uh, my church family, and for the love that we share with one another, not because of who we are or where we've come from or where we're going, uh, but because of you. And so, Lord, that you would even uh, change my heart to be generous uh, to those that might have a different perspective on things. And Lord, that we might be ready to hear 
then to speak, and Lord, that we might uh, be willing to take the gospel, uh, not just to the ends of the earth, but just to downtown, uh, and Lord, that our doors would be thrown open wide uh, to those who are desperately in need of the saving work of Jesus Christ and a word of comfort, and that they too would know that they are loved uh, by the God who created them. In Jesus' name, amen. John Harper, thank you very much. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.